Hi there, my name is Sean Sunday, my pronouns are he, him, and this is No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Each week a new creator joins me to chat about a book we've both read and loved. This show is initially recorded as a video talk show, so if you want to see what we're showing on the screen while we talk, head over to the Brainbee Studios YouTube and watch that video. If not, head down below to the description, open up the comic, and read along while we chat. Thanks for listening, enjoy the show. Okay, good morning everyone, and welcome back to No Capes. We are the talk show where we talk about indie comics that feature creator-owned characters and no superheroes. So today we are speaking with the fabulous Jordan Clark. Jordan, if you can let everyone know a little bit about yourself. Hey everybody, I'm Jordan Clark. I'm a comic book writer uh, over here in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, this past year, I got the pleasure and honor to write two issues of Aquaman, uh, which are all about Aqualad, Jackson Hyde. Um, and then earlier in the year, I was part of the DC uh, Crimes of Passion anthology. Um, and then coming out next month, I'll be a part of the Star Wars Adventures comics um, from IDW. Uh, but besides that, I've got a number of uh, just creator-owned, independent uh, books that I put out, published on my own. Um, and working on some new projects now too. Very cool. Um, well, I'll definitely be looking forward to that um, Star Wars Adventures ones, and I am already very familiar with your work on the Bitch Planet issues that you did as well. Uh, that too, yes. Yes. Uh, so I was, I was very excited when I put two and two together when you <laughs> volunteered for today's episode because I love that series. It's a crazy thing that, like, being such a huge fan of it, sometimes I forget that I was in it. And then people are like, bitch, plan it, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, I'm only just starting my own career in comics at the moment as well, to be honest. Like, I've been working vaguely in the peripheries of talking about comics for a little while. Um, but I've mostly been spending the last couple of years just working on my portfolio so that I can start mm -hmm. making stuff. Um, and uh, thankfully, Frankie White actually gave me my first break in paid work. Nice. So um, this bit here, actually, <laughs> um, was nice. for that Project Stylist Daydream. So I was really stoked to be a part of that because it was such a um, positive project for a good cause. Mm -hmm. So, And then he like announces that they've funded so fast that the first stretch goal of a hardcover has been unlocked like the next day. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, it's going to be one of those things. There's so many artists involved with that, that sometimes I'm going to forget that I was involved with it. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think getting opportunities like that are not only, you know, just great individually, like being a part of a project like that, but also connect you with a wider range of, of people who are also involved in that project. And you can always be like, I was there too you're like i yeah. was a part of that and, and now you kind of feel like you're a part of this larger family that's how i've definitely felt with bitch planet where i kind of looked at everybody who was a part of that anthology as we're kind of like like kelly sue's graduating class of yeah. of comics so. <laughs> yeah no that's that's exactly it um kelly sue is someone i would really love to have on the show actually i'm hoping i can get kelly to come on in season two she's great yeah yeah um so this is actually the comic we're talking about today for anyone who hasn't read it is actually the second layman comic to be discussed on the show. We came out of the gate with a layman comic with Chew in episode one. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about Chew, the sequel slash prequel, yeah. very soon as well with somebody. Um, I'm really enjoying that, actually. It's really nice seeing the the other sister's point of view of everything that was happening mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, so John has partnered up with another artist different to Chu for this project, uh, Afu Chan. And I love the work in this. Yeah. Uh, even just this no, first cover is amazing. Yeah, it's... It's a pretty incredible series they were able to put together. And for somebody who just heard a lot about Chu and like saw Chu on all the, ooh, you have to read this list, like coming in late to it. Because I think by the time I was aware of it, it was already maybe like, you know, 20 or so issues in. Um, and not that I was like, oh, I'll never catch up on that. But there was just so many other books that I was reading that I was like, I don't know <laughs> if I can add this to the pool as well. Uh, but when I saw that Outer Darkness was being announced, I was like, oh, like, yeah, the guy who did Chew, like, this is a chance to kind of jump on this book before it gets too too far ahead. Um, but just seeing, just even seeing that first cover was like, this is going to be exactly what I want. So very, very glad that I got in yeah. on the first issue. No, me too. And I can't exactly remember what, where the last issue ended. But from what I remember, it ended with it being set that there's more to come that we haven't seen yet, which is great because I'm loving this universe and I'm loving these characters and I'd love to see more from John and Afu on this book. Yeah. And it's one of these, there's a lot of things that you look at and you'd be like, man, it would be great if this was like a movie or an animated show or et cetera. And same can be said for outer darkness, but like as a comic, it does so much well that, like I it's, it feels like a book even from the first issue that you're like I could read this forever like this could just keep going because I you know it's it's very much so modeled on you know the Star Trek uh kind of idea of you know you Star Trek feels like it could just go on endlessly yeah um and you know it has that same feel where you're just like I could watch these characters interact and go on missions and, and do this forever so I'd, I'd love to see more of Outer Darkness yeah, I love the premise too with like the god engines and things. Uh, so yeah, just for anyone, if you're new to No Capes, we're going to keep it light and sort of mostly spoiler free, just talking about issue one here for the first couple of minutes. But if you haven't read it and you don't want to get spoiled for anything that might happen down the track, go read it, come back. This will be up on YouTube after we're done as well. Um, but just warning, there will be spoilers towards the second half of the episode. Alright, so, I agree. Like, I want to see so many more adventures from these people, and I want to learn more about the God Engines and how they had that idea in the damn first place. Well, it's crazy how much gets thrown at you just in the first issue alone, and not in a way that's like... It doesn't feel overwhelming. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's it's such a cool concept, even just for, like... Like there's so many things that are Star Trek esque, um, but this definitely takes that and turns it on its head in a very cool and, and different way. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Like I, who? That's what I want to know. Is like I want to get some not exactly a prequel, but just some backstory on some of the tech and procedures yeah. in this world. Like who had the idea to summon an eldritch being, stuff it in a jar, <laughs> and power their spaceship with it? 
and it seems like there's a lot of things in science fiction where you're just like, how does that even work? But this is one that I didn't even question, like how that would be possible. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like I just went with it, but I was like, what even is this? All right. So um, I'm not sure if you can see it on your screen. I'm not sure if you've got it up, but I've skipped into the second yeah. second page. Yeah, where we've got this yeah. the spaceship, and there's these weird demons on carrying rocks just floating through the meteor field well it, the design that uh afu chan does for all of these like ghosts demons spirits aliens um are so cool and even like on this page i think one of them is like a baby <laughs> like the yeah 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 there's a baby with like <laughs> tentacle eyeball things sticking out and there's one that's like a person with the the mouth coming out of its stomach up the back there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a freaky book. Like it there's is. some very horrifying things. Yeah, book. there are. There's some real dark, like eldritch elder gods type stuff going on in here. Also, uh, obviously we can't forget that, um, Pat Brussel, Brussel, I actually, there's so many American comic book artists and stuff that I actually don't know how their names are pronounced because then being uh, over yeah. here in Australia, I only ever see them written. I think it's Brousseau. Right. That sounds correct. Yeah. So uh, Pat Brousseau has done a fabulous job with the lettering as well. Like all of these title cards are just so mm -hmm. striking. Um, and the internal lettering as well is always, it's got a personality to it, but it's not hard to read it's always really clear yeah. and crisp so always a fantastic job i always try to make sure that i identify and talk about the letterer as well because they don't get enough love no oh, yeah for sure and i think it's it can make or break a book in a way that you know if you yes kind of aren't paying attention to it you know like it's not that letters should be invisible but like letters who do their job well just seamlessly blend into the art uh, in the world of the book, so that it, it all kind of looks like one thing. That, that's exactly right. Like, while you're reading, you shouldn't notice the lettering, in a way. They shouldn't be invisible, yeah. but, like, it should feel so natural to the book that you don't notice it. The only time when I'm doing a first read-through of a book that I particularly notice the lettering others outside of, like, the cool big titles and stuff is if there's bad lettering. Mm hmm. Well, and you, you listen to a lot of the top letterers talk and, you know, they really do their best to kind of match what the artist is doing, even just if it's adding a little bit of color to the letters or the size of the font or, um, you know, trying to look as close as sometimes to a hand letter comic as possible. Um, and so that's that's a really interesting you know, kind of aspect of comics that, again, a lot of people don't really recognize is just if if it looks like the artist also lettered the book, but it was a separate person, like that's how you know that it's like yeah top notch because they really you know took the time to really consider each each balloon and each caption. Yeah, that's exactly right, and and, and that's it. that's what I've noticed with a few of the last few episodes I've done when talking about lettering with my guests is that the, yeah each of these letters has really like they've got the book, you know, they get it, they mm -hmm. get what the book is about, and they've really put a lot of work into it and there's so much about the lettering that has enhanced the story in each of these books that until i actually am 
sitting down to talk to people about it. Yeah. That I didn't realize what it was that I loved about that. Yeah, for sure. And even, I mean, just kind of flipping through a little bit to see some of the sound effects and like, uh, like everything just, just flows effortlessly. Okay. And yeah, the character designs as well, like not just the monster designs, but each character yeah. really feels like it, their own whole person. Yeah. And when you go and think about, again, a Star Wars, a Star Trek, um, a Babylon 5, uh, like all of those have very distinct designs for the characters and even like the uniforms um which is another great aspect i mean like everything in this world kind of feels like it's existed already yeah. uh like it doesn't feel like you know this has all been created for the first time like we're coming in you know midpoint for some of these characters and their story um so there's definitely a lot of history and like you were saying even just in terms of you know the god engine and stuff like that like all of this has been going on for a while um but like I love how distinct each character looks and feels um, not only just in their design, but the way that they're drawn, like their body language and facial expressions. And you just kind of like get everything from, from each character. Um, so, and again, just the first issue, like it's not even something that it gets better over time, but just from the jump, like you're kind of drawn in and sucked into each of these characters. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually what my partner Robin and I were talking about with even the Mandalorian last night like we were just watching mm -hmm. catching up on season two and like you can tell that john favreau loves star wars yeah because you know, he's writing it oh hello we just got a notification what is that oh thank you for following that's lovely <laughs> um yeah you can tell that he loves star wars and he's relishing this opportunity because yep. every aspect of every character you know like even the background characters aren't just background characters you know like you get to see a little bit about each of those characters enough to go oh that's a whole person yeah it's not just an extra that's a whole person and i hope we get to talk to them at some point and i'm like right. reading through the trivia and finding out that almost every supporting character who's coming up in each episode has been in season one in the background of another episode right I mean, that's just that level of attention to detail where you're just kind of like, it gives you that rewatchability or in, in the case of a comic, that rereadability where you can go back through again and really appreciate some of those small details. Because, um, I mean, people, everybody kind of reads comics differently. Like some people just kind of plow through things and some people kind of take their time and like really digest each panel. Um, but either way, it, it makes it even more worth your time to kind of you know see all these different things that are being set up um because this is definitely a book that has a lot of things that, that that do get set up and kind of pay off later yeah no that's exactly right and i'm actually like every every single time i have one of these episodes i immediately want to go back and reread the entire series that i've just talked about <laughs> because there's so many things i've forgotten or just I always gain a new perspective and I've actually found, like as I was saying before, you know, I'm only just starting my journey as a creator right mm -hmm. now. And I love talking about comics and it's, this show has been amazing for me to connect with people who I really admire and talk about something that we both have in common and love by, yeah. with each book. But not only that, 
but like it's been so educational for me <laughs> like just just through talking and them noticing stuff and like you noticing the things that you're noticing now me noticing things as we talk and just discussing these points i'm learning so much about the medium mm -hmm. and it's just a delight that people want to come on and chat to me so <laughs> for sure i also love talking about comics so anytime i get a chance to talk about them and especially a great series like this like i think that's part of the i don't know if you have this experience but like i have a lot of friends who are like comics creators but in a lot of day-to-day -day, you know i have friends who just they don't care about comics like they don't want to talk about you know swamp thing or anything like that with yep. me like they <laughs> just want to talk about other stuff so um you know it's always great to be able to have conversations and get like really nerdy with it because yeah. you know if i tried to do that with like my mom or like one of my other friends they would just be like please stop no exactly the same like my partner <laughs> likes comics to a degree as well but not to the degree that i like comics being someone who wants to make comics so yeah. uh sometimes i can get a bit heavy <laughs> on the comics talk so that's like honestly half the reason i decided to turn this instead of just me doing comics reviews into a talk show mm -hmm. so i can like really talk about this and it's helped me learn to talk about the comics in a more eloquent way as well um for sure which actually has even improved my ability to talk about them with my partner because my partner has a background in art history mm-hmm and so, like, they can really appreciate a lot of the stuff that you and I are talking about right now. Yeah. But previously, I was having, like, honestly, was having a bit of difficulty sort of recognizing and vocalizing all of those aspects. So just by doing this show and nerding out with other professionals and other artists in the industry, it's been really cool to work on that language. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I think people obviously, if they're not you know completely into comics, um, you know, can very very easy to kind of overlook a lot of the the hard work that goes into it. Um, as I assume with a lot of things, I mean, again, when you have you know a series like this, which makes everything kind of look effortless, um, you kind of just assume maybe not that it's easy, but that you know it it was done in a very effortless manner. But when you you know take the time to really think about how hard it is to make just one comic and the fact that they, you know, made, you know, 12 of these and at such a high level, like you can only imagine just the, the time and effort um, that was put in the coordination again, between, you know, artist, writer, letterer, cover artist, editor, like everybody involved, just that level of cooperation that went yeah. into it. No, that's, that's exactly it. Like I'm constantly blown away by, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but Ryan K. Lindsay. Yep. Um, he, I actually am, uh, like f not super close, I guess, but pretty good friends with Ryan, um, through one of my mates who went to school with him. Mm -hmm. Um, we're both Australian. He's down South, but, um, he went to high school with my best mate from high school's older brother. Okay. And so they, he, one day he's like, Hey, uh, I know a guy who works in comics and is like written for these publishers and stuff. You want me to introduce you? So I'm like... <laughs> You've known me since I was 14. Do you even have to ask that question? Uh, and since then, it was history. Like, Ryan and I get to chat comics every so often. I always make sure I go and support him at the Comic-Cons and stuff like that. But just, especially this year and last year, I am consistently blown away by the amount of books Ryan is putting out mm -hmm. and the 
quality of the books that Ryan is putting out. Yeah. Yeah, like the actual first episode for this show, except for the fact that I balked something with the audio, <laughs> was supposed to be about um, his last published book, She, at the Tower of All That Is Known. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get someone on to talk about that for another episode again, because it, it deserves <laughs> the, the coverage. Um, Comics Tribe helped publish that one. Um, they did that via Kickstarter and stuff. And it's, it's a phenomenal book. It's only like a 45-page graphic novella. And it drops you in the okay. middle of a story. And like, this, Ooh, this that cover. looks very beautiful. Yeah. Ooh. Drop my postcard. <laughs> so it's, That's it's, amazing. Yeah. It's uh, Ryan and Chris Panda teamed up for that one. Okay. I'll have to track that down. That looks great. I really need to get my Bluetooth headphones connected to this computer properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just, it was incredible. It's, a, it's this thick, but it's a whole, same as with this story here. It's a whole world that feels real and established. And just mm -hmm. the coordination and collaboration between Ryan and all of his collaborators just consistently. I'm just like, how are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, when you get people who are kind of working almost as one, I mean, you can tell when you have, um, you know, people who are very much so on the same wavelength and, you know, it seems as if like it is just one person creating the comic, even though it is a team of multiple people, but just that level of, uh synchronicity where everybody's just kind of like it feels like they're finishing each other's sentences in yeah. a way like artistically yes um and this is and this is very much so that yeah no i know exactly what you mean um yeah there's just so much about this book that just feels like everybody just came together in <laughs> in in sync um and it is still very much a like Honestly, until I decided to put this book on the list for the show, I'd kind of forgotten that it was a Lehman book because mm -hmm. I hadn't read such a space sci-fi book by John before. But yeah. looking back through it all again and like remaking that connection recently, I was like, oh yeah, no, this is this is a Lehman book. Like just <laughs> the, the humor that is in it, mm -hmm. it's very... It's got his touch to it. Yeah, it's a very interesting blend of genres because it is funny it is uh horrifying <laughs> yeah uh it is very much so a hard science fiction um but you know it's got these almost um like fantastical elements that are kind of beyond just the normal science fiction like it's not just aliens like it's ghosts and spirits and um you know, it's math and <laughs> there's all these other elements that they've kind of put together and fit in there that has familiar elements of, you know, a lot of those big, you know, crew on a ship science fiction stories, but have a very distinct flavor and feel to it that I think is, is very much so uh, layman and what he brings to it. Yeah, no, 100% right. And like, visually, this book is so striking as well like yeah um i don't know if i've read anything else uh with chen on art 
I honestly with my uh, ADHD, my memory is shot, so I can't remember <laughs> if I have, but I don't remember seeing anything like this style because it's this style has stuck with me since I started reading this book. It's yeah, very much. It's very recognizable. I wouldn't mistake it for anybody else, and I really love that about it. Yeah, I know uh, they did Iron Fists, which was like an Iron Fist. Um, oh, yep, yep. I don't kind think of I've, spinoff. I don't think I've read that one, but I can. I think I'm going to hunt that down actually because I do like the Iron Fist books, and yeah, this art would be great for it. Yeah, just looking it up now, like they've they've done a few other uh, books that I. I'm not familiar with, but you know they kind of came out early 2010s, like 2013, 2015. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this was, I was kind of familiar with them, but hadn't really seen like a full series from them yet. Um, so this was definitely a great surprise to kind of see just how very like for for an artist it is. It's very difficult, I would assume, uh, as a writer speaking about artists. I would, I would think it's very difficult to really juggle all of those different, um, you know, genres. Because at any given moment, you know, like Layman wants you to do physical comedy, or he wants you to do like a very scary, like ghost monster, like impaling somebody, or he wants you to do like a, a tender, intimate moment between you know an alien and a human. Uh, and like make all those things feel real. Um, and so, you know, anybody who can kind of take all those different things and, and do them in a way that doesn't feel jarring or different, but like everything kind of just, yeah, like that's exactly what it should be. Um, so a lot of props to them for being able to pull off just so many different things in one book. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Sorry if I'm a, a little spacey today everyone i'm okay. uh, having a bit of brain fog this week so i'm doing my best but i'm just i'm honestly really just enjoying jordan talking about the book to be honest <laughs> <laughs> you've got a really great perspective on it and um yeah back to for me though back to these character designs for me i'm really yeah. really into the character designs in this book like um <sighs> What is his name again? I've already forgotten the character's name, even though I memorized it this morning. Um, the the second mate. Uh, are you talking about uh, Agwe, or are you talking about the uh, the alien? The big guy. First officer. I think it's Agwe. It's yeah. A-G-W-E-E. I'm not yes, quite that's sure. The one. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. design is incredible. Like, he's obviously the big, strong guy. But, yeah. like, he's obviously the big, strong guy. <laughs> you know like he's not just like uh, a jacked superhero he does very much look like a big tough south pacific islander dude yeah because I've, I've got a few mates here who are uh mori and uh someone and they are tall and they have broad shoulders <laughs> and they are strong dudes and so it's nice to see them sort of represented in this book as well more so than just like a little ripped yeah gym rat sort of guy it's really nice to see that uh representation in these books as well and i love just his look with the the overalls and the yellow singlet it's mm -hmm. 
just it's obvious that you know he'll wear part of the uniform if he has to but <laughs> he'd rather not yeah well and even that like there's certain just visual cues like that where we don't know you know their full history apparently it seems as if you know they have are not in great standing with you know the galactic uh federation here like they're kind of around like people respect their capabilities but not necessarily enjoy having them (laughs) working for them so even that as a little visual cue of like yeah you can tell he's got the uniform on but isn't you never see him like wearing it in full like everybody else kind of even signals a little bit more about his past and history um and even yeah i mean just for for a like perspective of seeing him standing next to other people and just getting kind of like an understanding of of size yeah right. <laughs> of how big and or small everybody else is because there's some big looking creatures in here but exactly. then when, when he stands next next to them you're just kind of like oh maybe they're not as big <laughs> yeah no exactly he reminds me of uh, a friend of mine here Didi. like we went through one of those sort of spartan race things together one time and we okay. photo together at the finish line but like i'm like up to here on him <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, like the the small touches like there's the um the space station here um mm-hmm. obviously uh you know with the name hirosuka it's obviously japanese inspired and it does really evoke that traditional architecture look to it as well yeah and i think that happens a few other times like we get to look at a few other space stations which are um sometimes appear to be other galactic space stations, but sometimes also appear to be, you know, alien space stations as well. And just kind of the architecture and design of them uh, is always interesting. Cause sometimes like this, they do kind of signal that. I think there's one that's kind of a, a similarly like South Asian um, one later on, but then there's others that look completely alien. Um, and it's always kind of cool to see that, how they come up with the architecture of that. Because even the design of the ships are very, like, you know, they feel distinct, like, familiar. Again, they look like, you know, other science fiction kind of things, but not like they just completely ripped off something and just reskinned it. Um, I'm just watching the scene where he's drinking the whiskey in the bar, and I never actually noticed before that, like, it's very, very much based off a bottle of Yamasaki. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like I've got a, a bottle of one of the Suntory whiskeys out in the kitchen here, and it looks almost identical to that. So, like, that's, nice. that's a, a researched touch. Yeah. They didn't just make that up, which is, I love seeing things like that in, in books as well, where obviously the team looked into what they were doing and made sure that they were pulling in those touches that made things feel more real. Right. And then the book, as crazy and out there as this, like I think those things definitely help add to the overall feel of the world where you know, you have those reminders that, yeah, this is kind of like as as out there as you know ghosts and demons and possessions are, like these are real people, uh, you know, to a certain extent, and I think that kind of helps keep things grounded and getting too far away from it because there are certain. You could you could see this being a very different book where it's just all big ideas and and no like emotional payoff or um, you know any kind of 
actual progressive story just like how crazy can we make each issue yeah. um but they did manage to balance it where like it does get crazy like crazy things do happen oh, yeah. uh but you you care about them because you're like oh but like i really i like that character i like i want to see that that storyline pay off so i don't want this person to die or i don't want this to happen quite yet um so the stakes kind of get raised because you know you're attached to these characters exactly and I do like what they're doing here with the the paneling as well. It's something I've discussed with in a couple of um, issues is that some books have a lot of panels and it feels kind of cluttered. Some books, yeah. like um, even like uh, She before, one of the points that we talked about in that was that um, there's no more than five panels on any page in the entire mm-hmm. book. I think maybe maybe there was one page that had six panels um but it's still like you felt like you were getting a whole damn scene and story on every page because they were just communicating so effectively but then there are other books like um grumble we Mm -hmm. got um grumble has a lot more panels but um they don't feel unnecessary and crowded even yeah Um, there are a lot of scenes in Crowded where there's up to eight panels on a page, even with, um, I think we talked about that in Bitterroot as well. Some of the panel pages have a lot of panels, but it feels important because it's about that communication or um, the panels that have the, the in Bitterroot, the pages that have the most panels are the action scenes. Yeah. And every one of those panels does feel like it has a point. Like, it's, it's giving you that Hong Kong cinema, hard, fast, cut, paste, fight scene, frantic energy with those panels, rather than just cluttering up a page. Yeah, I think in, I want to say it's the second issue of Outer Darkness, like in the letters section, or the kind of aftermatter section, um, you do get Afu-chan kind of talking about uh, their influences and talking about just different cinematographers that they looked up to and and really wanted to try to emulate in their work, um, and you can kind of see that in the paneling and the layout yeah. design um, because yeah, it does. Like yeah. This, this dialogue scene with the admiral it it really it does feel quite cinematic yeah you know it feels like one of those deep scenes in the bar where they're having that serious discussion like hey you've messed up this is your last ditch chance. Right. If and you... I think that's really, Oh no. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's really, um, another thing that really helps it stand out is that, um, you know, when an artist does have a really, when they have something that they, they, they necessarily want to do, you know, in terms of how they want to display information in the book and, and display specific scenes, um, you know, you can, it, it adds another dimension to it because it isn't just, um, man, there's the thing that sometimes you just wish comics had uh, page numbers on them. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if you can find near the, near the back yeah. where they're getting ready to um, sacrifice uh, some poor uh, captives. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, there's like a... Where is it? Let me skip through. Oh, yeah, yeah, where he's, like, talking to the engine. 
where he's talking to the engine and then he's kind of giving everybody their their chance to say one last thing before uh they get sacrificed and you know there's i don't know how well it plays off in comicsology um but in my in my physical copy there's a cool kind of like mirroring where um you know it's it's two separate pages but it's it's laid out the same way yeah Um, i see that uh, and again, just a choice like that really kind of drives things home from a from a visual perspective because you're getting that repetition. Um, so you know, it's not like I think sometimes um, you know there might be a idea of like, yeah, you know, these are just kind of talking heads, and we don't want to just make it visually uninteresting. So we have to do something really cool and over the top to kind of like add to you know the the talking here so it's not just two people in a room talking to each other um but i think when you're able to kind of just lay things out in a simple way but a very distinct um way like it's laid out here um you know you don't you don't have to do anything too fancy or too over the top i mean if you if you think about an alfred hitchcock movie like he's not doing anything crazy, you know, like everything's very like direct and um, easy to follow visually as you're watching the movie. But, you know, there is a a certain level of dynamism to it that kind of adds to what's happening on screen. And I think the same thing here where, um, you know, nothing is confusing and you never look at a a layout or a page and you're just like, how do I read this? Or like, what, what should I be looking at? Like it's, 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 you know, that trick that, you know, really good comic artists are able to do where they just kind of guide your eye, um, you know, from panel to panel in a way that you don't even realize is happening. And so yep. you kind of go back and look at it where you're just like, oh, yeah, like that is kind of like they're creating these lines, uh, <laughs> you know, where you're just kind of seeing, you know, characters are looking in a direction or just the way that somebody is placed in the panel, um, you know, just kind of guide your eye across the page. Uh, and I think that's a lot of what... Uh, Afu Chan is able to do where they really deliver these bold and distinct visuals, but in a way that's not like um, overpowering the story. But again, you know, with layman and, uh, you know, the letter, they're kind of just really informing everything that's happening on the page. So it's just, it's very, it's very pleasurable to read. Yeah. (laughs) Is how I would describe it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I'm like, I, trying to show the the chat at the moment um the sharon when we get that full screen mm. view of it but um unfortunately comicsology doesn't want to zoom out enough cause, because it's a wide um, yeah but you can see see most of it and like that's a really great panel as well with like the the black glittering stars behind it uh and the red planet in the background with the ship yeah and just that i the the first officer is actually the one of the aliens I was thinking of before, whose design I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. He's all angles and points, yeah. And he looks like a space version of the you know the stereotypical red devil on the you know spicy whatever <laughs> you know, on the packaging and or on your matches, you know. Yeah. He's like a, a, a very... yeah, a really great futuristic reinterpretation of that sort of design, and I like that. Yeah, a very like Dungeons and Dragons tiefling. Yes. Look to <laughs> also kind of Hellboy ish yeah, with like yeah. the braid and the <laughs> yeah, a little bit and the goatee. 
But um, even if you look at um, Hellblazer, Rise and Fall, at the mm-hmm. moment, they've brought in Lucifer in that classic bright red skin, trimmed goatee, right. slicked ba- black hair sort of look in the white suit. That that really cartoony with the little tiny red horns mm-hmm. look. And um, yeah, I just I really vibe with this design because it reminds me of all of that, but Star Trek. <laughs> right, right. And then the first look at that God Engine. Yeah. Like, it's very Baphomet sort of mm-hmm. looking. Yeah. And, then, and it's, just, it's just another thing that makes you wonder, like, what the other God Engines look like on yes. other ships. Like, are they all as crazy? <laughs> right? Like, if theirs isn't that powerful, but it's pretty powerful... You know, what is one that's going to power a full-on war cruiser? Right. What What is that like? Or, you know, if one of the space stations is powered by a god engine, what the heck is that going to be? <laughs> and then, you know, we get this scene of them just getting chomped up by the god engine. Yeah. <laughs> Not even devouring their souls or something like you would expect. No, like they literally no. just dump them in the pod. Just having a snack. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, obviously this episode then finishes with that really n- nice scene of the Sharon blasting off. Yeah. At full speed. And there's a very Star Trek-esque thing, too, where you're just kind of seeing all these characters in the background that, like, I don't know what they do. I don't know what their jobs are. We, we never know their names, but like <laughs> just another thing that's kind of fully informing, you know, Star Trek had all the red shirts and the people yep. who were just kind of like part of the crew. Um, and there's a nice twist on that too. Um, with one of the other characters that gets, gets introduced. Um, but yeah, they all kind of have, you know, that, that literal uniform look because they're all in uniform. Exactly. Um, but you can just see like the level of of detail and just varied species and character design yeah. as well. I love the uh, the navigator, his mm, like mm-hmm. cobra sort of looking design yeah. is really cool. Um, and just one of my favorite characters in the book is the the old soothsayer witch. Mm, yeah, uh, and this is a warning for spoilers for everyone right now because like you see her in this, this second last page here. You can just see her standing next to the navigators um, with her big bat ears sticking out from under her hood and whatnot. Um, Yeah, she's some kind of old witch that can see the future or predict outcomes and stuff like that. But uh, she's also Argue's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's actually also got some... I'm not sure if it's like an actual magical transformation... Or if it's just a perception glamour sort of magic illusion thing that she can do. Um, when I reread it, because that was a question that I had at first, but on, on reread, from what I understand is that she's got two forms, I guess, because yeah. at, at one point, one of her forms, uh, she loses connection to it. Um, and so it seems like it's kind of like a day and night thing. Like during the yeah. day she is one and then during the night she is other. Um, but it seems like she, she loses contact with that aspect of herself at some point. So I feel like they are, um, 
possibly like one, but like, you know, something brings on that transformation. So, you know, during a certain part of the day, she she looks one way and then another part of the day she looks another. Could be a bit of an Ultraman situation. Yeah. Yeah. The the energy of one is contained within the other and they swap. Mm hmm. I'm looking forward to finding out more about that, too, because I think I've... I can't remember right now, but I vaguely recall, like, when you're saying she gets cut off from that form. But I have a vague recollection of something happening, and you actually... They get separated at some Mm -hmm. point as well. So, like, I want to know more about that and how that's possible. Yeah. Um, I don't have... I should have just bought the whole first volume for this episode, but I just wanted to show what people can get for for free when they read the first issue. So, um, yeah, for anyone that's watching right now, this first issue is available on Comixology for free right now, uh, as are the first issues of pretty much all of the other comics that we've covered on the show, which has been really great, because not all number ones are free on there, but thankfully, pretty much everything that I had to do an episode on has been there so I could just go, go here, go read it right now. Yeah. Without people feeling like they had to put money down on something they might not right. like. Yeah. It's always tricky, you know, trying to get into a new book or a new series, even if, you know, somebody that you really like or respect recommends it. Um, just cause sometimes, you know, the, your tastes line up 99% of the time. And then that's that 0.1% where you're just like, Oh, I actually don't like this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, having the opportunity to kind of, you know, pick something up. And I think this first issue is, is very indicative of what the rest of the series is. Uh, so it's not like a bait and switch or yeah, just no, like, Oh, the rest really of this isn't it. Yeah. So if you like the first, like the rest of it is this. Yeah. It just gets, it, the only thing that changes is it kind of gets a bit more weird and fucked up. <laughs> As the story <laughs> that goes is on, true. you see more of it. Um, yeah. Like the, it's not the second officer, but it's one of the other officers on the ship ends up getting possessed. Yes, that is, and, it's it's a it's a cool twist on the um, red shirt officer because they're, they are kind of just an officer who is not like a main person uh but they do kind of like as the story goes on they play more and more of a role uh just because you learn more about how they've been able to survive so long exactly yeah and then yeah he ends up becoming possessed by a demon and his physical form starts to change as he gives in more to that um then there's that uh the doom flower or sorrow flower vine Mm -hmm. or whatever it was they called it that invades the ship and causes yeah. everyone to go berserk and start murdering each other. <laughs> There's a lot of instances of just possessed murder. <laughs> yeah, there are. There's a lot of possession. And I think, did they even, doesn't someone else get possessed by a ghost that they're actually trying to capture of one of the aliens that they want to interrogate? I think so. Well, I think partially that's. Um... That's Shin, the the officer that gets possessed and begins to change. Yeah. Uh, because there is there's a there's a possession of somebody who they rescue that kind of um, you know gets set off because somebody unwittingly like opens the the cryo chamber that they're in. Yeah. Um, but there's I think that's what's such a cool 
thing about the series is that it does have a lot of the typical sci-fi, particularly Star Trek tropes, where each issue isn't like it's all connected. You know, it's all a story that they're telling, but it is very much done in a way that is that feels like next generation where like each episode is kind of its own unique mission where they have to like go to this planet and you know speak to this delegation or they have to rescue you know this mysterious ship that has an sos or um you know something like that so it it kind of feels like one-offs but you see little things happening in the background that are kind of building up to a bigger story yeah um but the fact that it's all done in a way that's like part hard science fiction but also very much so like occult and horror where you know they have the like the the occult mathematicians i guess is how you would describe them where they're yeah they're doing this combination of like advanced geometry trigonometry that seems to be i guess like because they're there there's the there's the math priest there's like the literal exorcists um and then there's um i guess just the the last resort you know people who who just going to come in and like start shooting stuff yeah <laughs> and that's kind of how they're they're uh kind of flanked out but um yeah just even that concept of like you know they're writing these i guess arcane equations <laughs> they're kind of like yeah you know either creating things or dispelling things um and it's really it's such like a cool that. idea yeah yeah cuz when when you think about it pretty much everything that we see in the like visual components of magic and the occult in media it is all very mathematical there's circles within mm-hmm. circles and re- repeating patterns and yeah and then like even um for example in full metal alchemist there's yeah. that whole law of equivalent exchange. You have to make sure that the components of what you're trying to create match up with the components of what you're changing. Right. Which is why they're well, not I think allowed that's... to do that with people. <laughs> I think that's what's so interesting about this book, too, is that typically when you have these kind of clashes of science and religion or science and the occult, they're kind of designed as opposing forces that like can't like mesh together. But here it very much so is one thing where, you know, the kind of occult religious aspects of things are merging with the scientific and mathematical side of things uh, to kind of create like one uh, future where, yeah, you have, um, you know, these, these very, because I think the way that they describe it later in the comic is that um, I forget there's 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 a few characters in a crossover and in the main series that are from our time period and so space travel is something that they're not accustomed to and they kind of ask about it um and one of the characters replies oh yeah like you know you 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 remember space is kind of like this uncharted territory of like you know the moon and mars and all that stuff but like when we really got into space it was a horrific hellscape that like it's just filled with all these because I think that's the way that 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 it they kind of play it out is that like there's a house from Earth that was exercised um, and instead of just like dissipating like the house the energy of the house got like 
pushed or projected into space uh, so that they encounter it later on in the series. So it wasn't even that, you know, the house was destroyed physically, but like the, I guess, occult or like the more phantasmal aspects of it kind of got shot into space. So that like, remember that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah really there's fun. just a lot of cool. I yeah, think. there's just a lot of really cool things like that that you can tell they really thought about how to play with, um, you know, both visually and narratively. And I love that about the crossover as well. So again, spoiler warning, everyone, uh, we're talking now about the Chew and Outer Darkness crossover. Anyone who's familiar with the show probably knows that I love Chew. Um, and John Lehman wrote both series. Um, so. They bring, they bring them from the past. But it turns out they've actually just got this tech that is like hard light holograms, essentially. But even though they're holograms, they still manage to get corrupted by the weird occult energies in the ship. Because somebody does some stupid shit in the hollow deck <laughs> and ends up inviting a, a demon into the hollow deck that simulation that they're creating and then that infects all of the two characters that are in 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 the ship so if anyone has read chu and you're familiar with um what's chu's partner's name again Ooh, i want to say is it john i think it it is i think it's john and tony yeah um if you're familiar with john and tony's boss he gets full like leg you know waist down prosthetics at one point because he gets chopped in half by a bad guy uh and depending on the time period in the chew comics it's either a centaur or it's a crab Mm. and i think he has the crab legs when he comes into that crossover yeah i admittedly have not read chew uh past the first trade um but like reading the crossover was a little confused (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) with some things that were going on uh but i if i recall he had like almost like metallic crab yes yes legs yeah those yeah like his second set of legs i think because originally (laughs) he just has like horse legs okay but then yeah then he switches out to the crab legs and then um the other officer with the afro and the glasses that's yeah, very yeah. much based off um, Pulp Fiction, he yeah. gets the uh, the crab claw mm-hmm. prosthetic as well. And so you can imagine once they start getting possessed where those things go, you know, it starts getting really freaky as their uh, prosthetics start to become more demonic and just things get messy. Yeah, I think there's there's like a like a plot point where one of the um officers on the ship or is like who authorizes like this always happens don't you know when you like create a hologram you know like simulator like they always get possessed like that's <laughs> that's why we outlawed these um and it's, it's another again play on the the star trek kind of like holodeck where invariably that goes wrong like at some point like it's always like something something goes on the fritz and then the the holograms become real and then like you're kind of trapped in the the holodeck until somebody gets you out um 
So of course that could never go right. Like, especially in this world, like that, that had to go horrifyingly wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It went, it went incredibly, incredibly wrong. And isn't it, um, if my memory is serving me, there's another, one of the species in the comics is like a race of insect people that reincarnates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what their job is in one of the missions is to catch the ghost of that per- criminal before they fully reincarnate into a new body because mm. they want to interrogate it. But I think they're more formidable when they're in their physical yeah. form or something. I think so. And it's also, I mean, the the crossover, the idea behind the crossover is also interesting just because the Outer Darkness crew is dealing with an alien species that only communicates through food. Yeah. Uh, which is why they need Chew to come along and, and kind of figure out how to talk to them because I think the ship's captain or the ship's chef makes something that is just uh, a, a terrible offense to this alien. <laughs> yeah. And they get beat up. Uh, so that's that's kind of the premise for bringing Chew into everything is they need somebody who has his special skills who can communicate with the food. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone hasn't read Chew, um, Tony Chew is one of the two, but the primary main character. Um, and he's what they call a, a, I think they say with a, a hard ch. So I think it's a chibopath. It could be yeah. chibopath. I'm not 100%. Um, which means that when he eats something, it's like um, in you're more familiar with other sci-fi and, and comics, uh, tactile telepathy. So mm-hmm. when he eats something, he gets a psychic reading of it. He can tell where it's been, what happened to it, who's touched it. You know, if it's uh, in some cases, he is tasked with really gross and disgusting crimes as part of the CIA. I think they are. Uh, I think it's the FDA, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, FDA. <laughs> and then they end up joining up with um, the animal yeah control people as well um he gets tasked with some of the really crappy uh in some cases literally crappy crimes (laughs) and sometimes the only way to solve it is by eating a little bit of whatever's going on and figuring it out so sometimes that means taking a bite out of a criminal's leg yep (laughs) and then he can find out who killed that person like it like the very i think it's the very first issue they're at a crime scene and this guy's been murdered and he's trying to figure out what happened and he got there's bits and pieces floating in a shark tank so while his partner is distracted he just picks up the leg and takes a bite and then he instantly knows who killed that guy yeah i don't know if that's that seems like a horrible existence. As much as I love to eat, I feel like that would not be exactly. That's why a the, good time. <laughs> the only thing he can safely eat, and which his diet mostly consists of, is beets. Mm. Beets are the mm-hmm. only thing that a chibopath doesn't get a reading off. I mean, you could do you can do a decent amount with beets, I guess. Um, and yeah, some people, in order to mess with him, will consume insane amounts of beets once they know who's hunting them oh. so a couple of the um crime scenes the the bodies were completely contaminated by beets and he couldn't get a reading i need to go reach you i think is what you're telling me yeah. so no, it's, it's brilliant and there is it turns out that there's actually a lot more to his power than that that gets okay. revealed throughout the series 
All right. Oh yeah, and now there's the the Chu C H U um series that's coming out. That's about his little sister. His little sister, okay. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. yeah, one of the two twins. Okay. Yeah, there's Saffron and Shoot, I've actually forgotten the other sister's name, but they're both named after herbs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. So, so um yeah, it follows her story that was happening simultaneously to the main shoe story. Okay. All right. Well then yeah, more more series to read after. I feel like that's it's always nice to be able to go back cuz that's kind of what's happening now with Sweet Tooth too. Like I Yeah, I just wasn't able that too. The second one. Yeah. Yeah, like I read the first two trades of Sweet Tooth and then again just kind of fell off and didn't finish. Uh, but now it's coming back around again with with another. I think is the new series taking place, like after yeah, the events like 300 of the years original later or something. Ooh boy! All right, it's, it's quite all a significant right. amount of time. It's like at least a hundred years after okay. the original series. So some of the things that have happened in that first episode are a little confusing to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking forward to figuring out how they were possible. Yeah. All right. I mean, I definitely have have time to read a lot of comics, so I, I'll I'll add Chew and Chew and Sweet Tooth to the list. And as always, I always recommend this to everyone as well. Oh, okay. Uh, it's on Comicsology at the moment, and it's Frankie White's graphic novel. Nice. Um, he's not sure if it's been released yet. I can't remember, but it was announced that he's doing like a mini one-off sequel to it. Okay. Uh, and that there is more of that story in the works. And it's a it's a really good fantasy story with um, Adam Markiewicz on pencils and inks and AHG on colors. Okay. And I think it's nice. not next week, but the week after. I've got Adam on, and we're going to be talking about Money Shot. Nice. Yeah, there's... It's always more good comics to read, which there makes are. me happy. Yeah. Because you never run out. Um, I'm going to put Broken Bear in the chat for everyone watching as well so they can watch it. It's like seven bucks on Comixology. It's a steal. Um, this is actually how I was introduced to Frankie. Like, I stumbled across him on Twitter, saw Broken Bear, bought the digital, read it, and then we started talking, and then we started talking about maybe working on some projects together, and nice. the rest is history. Um, yeah. We're actually trying to get time together for both of us at the moment to get together and play some D&D, because Frankie hasn't played 5e yet. Oh, wow. And um, he's actually going to play Selm, the main character from Broken Bear. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun, just a little, just a little one-shot for us to play together and see how he likes it. Sure. Yeah, five, I mean, I love 5e. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, you know. that's good, because I don't know if you saw a little while ago, but I posted in the, the Vault Discord that I'm actually wanting to start doing some old comics creator live stream games in the new year. I mean, I'd play. Let me know. <laughs> I will, I will for sure. Um, because it's going to be fun. I'm writing, it's an adventure that I'm writing that is going to be my recurring live stream. Okay. Uh, it'll just be like there'll be a leaderboard and stuff to see who actually gets through it. 
it's going to be a bit of an organ grinder of an adventure so okay. like prepare for tpks oh, like, all right T tpks is not the goal sure but it is a very real danger it's uh it's called I mean... the shifting spire and it's like an abandoned wizard's tower that a goblinoid army have taken over except they're too scared to go above level three and there's 10 levels <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine terrible things happening there, but yeah. I'm intrigued to yeah. see. I'm not going to give away too much live because sure, I don't want to spoil the surprise for the first group <laughs> that actually gets put through it. Okay, but it's always going to be the same adventure. Okay, for every live stream, it's always going to be the shifting spire, but each team will try to do their best. And it will play a little bit differently every time. Okay. And it's uh, I'm going to be adding more to it over time, so it'll be constantly evolving. And uh, it's, it's, it's it sounds like it's going to be pretty fun for me. I'm like it, everyone will be starting at at least level five. Okay, that's I mean for something like that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and there'll be opportunities to level up as you go to make sure that you can survive. Okay. I mean, that's also necessary for what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm adding a few of my own... Oh, Sage. Sage is the other sister. Someone's just posted in the chat. Okay. Yeah, Saffron and Sage. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of where it's going to go. Is it's, going to be, it's going to be messy. It's going to be tough. Um, and I'm go also putting some of my original monster creations into it as well to really mm. freak with people. Um, I'm actually okay. working on a monster supplement at the moment that's going to be released before that adventure, which is doesn't have a name yet because I haven't thought of the perfect joke yet. Okay. But it's, a, it's a body <laughs> horror comedy. Okay. And the monsters are called the ass deer. Mm. So there's mm. the carnivorous mm -hmm. ass deer, the golden ass deer, the giant ass deer, the regular ass deer, and the ir irregular ass deer. Okay. I could maybe sort of picture what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The, the regular ass deer has stinking cloud as an ability. Yes. Yes. The carnivor carnivorous ass deer will give you um, sewer plague if you get bit and fail a constitution save. Hmm. And the uh, the giant Astier has an ability called Clap Those Cheeks. Or <laughs> <laughs> it casts Thunderclap at will. Well, if I'm if I'm not playing this, I'm definitely watching it now to see yeah. how this plays out. <laughs> um yeah, one of my one of my friends here, um, who runs a live stream actually uh has been using them in his game because I said, Hey, does anyone want to play test these? And yeah. he ran them, and so I sat down to watch the stream, and I was in tears. It was amazing watching somebody else take my dumb joke and just run with it. But, like, he didn't just throw one of them at his players, either. <laughs> he threw, like, two of every type in one oh, no. game at his players. And he okay. was doing sound effects and stuff, and it was... <laughs> it was brilliant. Apparently, he was... Either I wasn't sure if he was using them or just talking about them on live stream last night. I'm going to have to go and check yeah. it out. But he said he was using because he asked if he could use them in an ongoing story thread now. So I got to see what that's about. 
I mean, they sound like a hit, so... <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was just a dumb joke from my home game that kind of spiraled once I showed the internet. <laughs> that's how it happens. Yeah, but if people like my stupid joke, then that's all I care about. <laughs> but, I mean, that is... That takes us up pretty much about up at a time, which is great. I always find that we get through looking at the first issue just in the hour, which is nice of yeah. whatever we're talking about. So if you want to let everybody know where they can find you, that would be great. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JRSosa18. So that's J-R-S-O-S-A-1-8. Um, same thing on Instagram. Uh, I'm around. I'm not like the most active person but i i try to i'm trying to get more involved in, in doing stuff so you'll you'll see me around the internets yeah and uh for anyone watching this on youtube um all of jordan's links are going to be down in the comments uh, in the description um and for anyone in the chat i'll just relink jordan's uh whoop, that's the wrong window <laughs> Uh, I'll relink Jordan's Twitter for you now so that you can go check it out. Here we go. Awesome. Uh, and obviously, I am Sean Sunday. You can find me at Sean Sunday Art on pretty much all social media platforms. Uh, if I am also the social media slash community manager for Ardent Roleplay. So if you're into TTRPGs and want to check out augmented reality for D&D, uh, just hit me up and I can show you some stuff. Um, that's the Ardent poster right there. It is awesome. I love it. I've been a fan since before I got the job, so I'm very excited to be able to be the company hype man. <laughs> um, I'm planning a really silly, fun one-shot using Ardent Roleplay in the next couple of weeks, which is going to be cool. Uh, if you are an Australian illustrator, please jump into my link tree and jump in the Australian Illustrators Discord. There is a Discord for Australian TTRPG creators as well. Uh, and obviously, if you like me and my work, you can join my Discord community where I have it set up with information about becoming an artist and improve, working on your own art practice, um, tech things for streaming purposes, just general comics chat, and uh, more. You get sneak peeks of my work. You can talk about comics and RPGs and D&D &D and show off your own work. And it's just generally a pretty fun time. And of course, sneak peeks at what's coming up with No Capes. So this has been a really fun episode of No Capes. So thank you, Jordan, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I love this book. And it is one that's been on the list for a while that I've been waiting for somebody to put in there. Yeah, I'll talk about this. Yeah. No, this was, this was awesome. And... I feel like it's a book that um, is, it's kind of like a sleeper book, you know, for, for a lot of people. Cause I think uh, if they're familiar with Chew, like they, they like Chew. Um, but this is from what I can, can see very much. So not Chew, like it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it takes a, a bit of a turn. Um, but for, for anybody who likes any kind of occult stuff, any kind of horror stuff, any kind of science fiction stuff like this checks all those boxes. Yeah. It's very much not Chew. But if you liked Chew because of like the writing and the pacing and the type of story it's telling, yeah, you'll also like this because it is still very much a layman book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you. Everyone go follow Jordan. Um, feel free to jump in the discords. 
And uh, till now, uh, until next time, this has been No Capes. I have been Sean Sunday. Thanks for joining and supporting. And take it easy and have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. This has been No Capes. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at No Capes Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on BrainBeast Studios or at BrainBeast Sean on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing on Patreon or dropping us a donation on Ko-fi. You'll find those linked in the description. Thanks again for listening and I hope to see you for the next episode.